Hello and welcome to QVD Book Club, the podcast. I'm Victoria Carthew and we always say that uh, authors are given the advice to write what you know. So that would mean that my very special guest today has lived a life of crime and misdemeanours. I guess that's kind of true because that's what he does in his other careers, tell stories and a lot of them are about crime. Screen legend Brian Brown has a brand new book called The Drowning and it was such a pleasure to catch up with him. Let's have a listen. Hello, Victoria. Thank you so much for for chatting and congratulations. Your second foray into the literary world. Uh, You obviously enjoyed Sweet Jimmy so much you had to do it again. Well, uh, yeah, I guess that's the case. I was actually thinking today, like if someone said to me, oh, you've only written two books, I'd say, yeah, but I've I've written eight stories. Because in Sweet Jimmy, there's seven stories, you know, let's, let's, you know, let's not pretend that, you know, I can only write one story at a time. Um, So, um, so yeah, somehow I'm fascinated by crime, but isn't everybody? Absolutely. It's the biggest, it is the biggest selling genre and everyone is fascinated. So Sweet Jimmy was was shorter stories. Were there any of those that you thought this could have been a whole, like a whole lot bigger? So that's what I'm doing next. Um, Now that I look back on them, there's a lot of them that could have been that could have been full length stories, but at that stage, you know, I was I wasn't thinking in those terms. I was, I, you know, I started out writing because I I write pictures for stories, and and one of the stories in um in one of the stories in Sweet Jimmy uh, called A Time to Do was all about a pitch that I wanted to do for, for it to make into a, a mini series, but I kept going. It became a story, and then I had some another one that I'd spent that I'd done 40 years ago for a pitch in America. And I just found that they were actually quite good short stories. And so uh, in, in terms of a book, some of the, the publishers said, have you got any more? So I wrote some more short stories. But when I think about it, there's a couple I would have really liked to explore further. There's one called Vigilante in there that I really would have liked to explore a lot further because I really like the character. Um, but it's not to be, and I won't go back and, and, and attempt to do that with any of those. They, they, they live on their own. Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, we're always telling our kids to try something new, yet as adults we tend to kind of stick on the safe path. So what gave you the courage to think, all right, I've written the short stories, next up is a is a whole book? Yeah, that's a very good story. It could be because I'm a flaming idiot, um, <laughs> you know, like, and, and I don't know when to stop. But I, I think I, I really, you see, you've got to remember, I've, I've been doing, I've been involved in telling stories for 50 years. Yep. You know, as an actor, you're interpreting something that other people have laid down. You're interpreting characters, making them your own in some sort of way. Um, but uh, and 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 I've worked with writers because I produce as well. Um, so the actual uh, the, the idea of telling stories, the working on stories with writers, you know, in going, are we moving forward? Are we haven't explored that character well enough. Did all those questions that I would be asking myself as I'm writing, um, uh, you know, I'm a bit used to. So as my daughter said to me when someone said, what about your old man, you know, writing, writing, writing a book? She said, well, he's been telling stories for 50 years. It's just a different platform. And I think yeah. that's sort of the truth, you know. Yeah. Um, I like telling stories, as you can understand now that you've asked me a question, I haven't shut up. Um, so, <laughs> I, you know, I like telling stories. And, and I think that once I did the first book, the idea of writing a story as I'm driving along the car now an idea will come to me and I think about it in terms of a book, not necessarily in terms of a, a, a film that I might want to produce. So so it's a different, I've crossed over into a different a different thought process about, about an idea. 
Isn't that fantastic? And what a great freedom to have that, to know that now you've done it, you can continue to do it if you want to. Yeah, but you've got to get people to buy it and say it's okay. You know, <laughs> it's a load of drivel. You might not ever think of another idea. Well, that is true. That is true. That is not going to happen with the drowning brain brand, I can tell you. You've given us a real um, snapshot of Aussie coastal life, the good, the bad, all the things that can go right and wrong. What was your starting point for this story? Because there's a lot packed into it. What was your starting point, the idea that gave you the yarn? I think the opening um, the opening chapter, which is about a young fella riding his bike, being curious out in the forest of near where he lives, and coming across a place that says you shouldn't enter, and, of course, being a young bloke going, why shouldn't I? And what he comes across, that 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 opening, I went, that's really arresting. It's really arresting because he sees something, and as a result of what he sees in that first chapter, that gives me three characters to explore. Who are these people? You know, why why is he out there? Who are the other two people he comes across? So that gave me a chance to explore them. And then that took me into a town and a town full of characters. And it is a town full of characters. I think what I quite loved, um, there's a lot of characters in this book. It's a big story and you give us lots of viewpoints and lots of opinions, but it never gets confusing because they each are so solidly individual on their own and you give us such a great insight into each of them. Yeah, well, you know, like I think, um, you know, I look at all those characters and I, and I go, look, I get you, you know. I, you know, I mean, you would too. You'd look at some of those. You might not tell anybody, but you'll go, oh, I, I get her. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, I, you know, like they're all very real to me and they are influenced. I mean, this is a coastal story and, and I spend time up the coast. So I'm influenced by the people that I've come across um, in the little towns where I might surf and uh, and in particular is one area. And so the characters in there I find incredibly appealing. I like them a lot and I'm intrigued by their stories. I'm always sitting down having a coffee with someone and going, well, how'd you get started in that? Or what were you doing 20 years ago then that led to this? So I'm very interested in how we get to the place we're at and whether that's because I'm becoming, a you know, I'm no longer that 35-year-old that I keep thinking I am. I'm becoming more and more curious about who we are as human beings and the steps we take. You know, that that that's feeding into me having a massive characters in my head. And that absolutely comes across because each of these characters, you give us their why, how they ended up in the place they're in. Because these coastal towns, they're a real melting pot, aren't they, from, you know, backpackers, travellers, middle-aged surfers, like they're, they're real melting pots. They are, and and becoming more, you know, people with the pandemic, a lot of people uh, moved up the coast, and then we've got the housing crisis. So a lot of people are like, you know, why why fight all this problem? Um, I, I can have a maybe, a, a, I, I can afford to, and maybe it's a, a more enjoyable place to be up the coast. So those things are happening. You've got transients, you've got people that are living there for a while. It's a, it is a cro- cross-section of people, and that's appealing. That's appealing. And it's it's also um, why it's easy for people to go missing or people to be overlooked, isn't it? Because they have become a little bit like that, these towns. Look, I was out having a surf the other day and I was thinking about a couple of the blokes that I'd met there over over 12 years and I just suddenly realised, as I went through it, I was like, oh, where's so-and-so? Oh, yeah, that's right. He died a couple of years ago, didn't he? Like, you know, and so, you know, so they've made an impression on you. Yeah. You know, in a short sort of time or, you know, in sharing a wave or just walking along the beach or where well, you might nod to them, but they've entered your psyche in some sort of way. 
You know, they've they, they, they've built a they built a part of your life in there. Even though it might be only this little bit, it's still a filling of all your being. You know. There's a lot of um, the drowning has a, as I said, a lot of characters, but a lot of kind of men of a certain age as well, or a lot of really sort of strong male characters, and a lot of them are surfers. And that surfing culture comes across, doesn't it? That kind of camaraderie that you have out in a wave, and obviously that's what you've got. Yeah, I mean, going out on a board for a surf. I mean, any any surfer will tell you from the moment you start paddling, there's a bit of splash of water. You're into another world. You're in the, you're in the moment, and, and people of people are. It's one of those, and I think sport, any sports are saying, given the mental illness that's around and the problems that people have with anxiety or depression, they get on that board and start paddling. That's gone for that moment they're out there, whether it be an hour, two hours or whatever. And it, it, it's a very lifting experience. And then the other thing is it's, you know, how good, bad or indifferent they are. It's enjoyable the wave that they get. So it's, it's a, it's a, it is a special place. And I've been lucky enough for 40 years, 50 years to be able to play in it, even though I'm very average. Um, but I, I, I do enjoy it. And then there is a certain camaraderie, particularly as, as you get, as you're older. And they do say up the coast, you've got to have a pensioner's ticket to surf, you know, like. So. <laughs> I love it. And there's no judgment, right? No one's thinking about who's better or worse. You're just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. The judgment does drop away a lot as you get older. It's like, Hey, I'm just glad I'm here. Let's get on with it. You talked about that starting that that writing process, the story, how it came to you and where it went from there. How do you keep track of things? Because the way it's written, you, you, each chapter has multiple, well, each chapter is different, but each chapter has a, a different viewpoint and several different storylines and timelines. How do you go about plotting that out? Is it a I process? don't plot it out. I don't plot it out at all. I let the characters take me on a journey. So I start writing a character and in writing that character, that character will introduce me to someone else that'll make me take a U-turn and start talking about their life or a thing that's happened there. So I allow the characters to take me on a journey through the story until eventually I've got to start pulling them all together to, you know, because in, in playing with the characters, they open little things that are to do with crime in whatever way. I've got to then eventually they've got to come together where it's satisfying in how those crimes are played out. But I let the characters in the main take me there. I sort of trust, I trust, I think I trust in the storytelling process in that I've been doing it for 50 years and instinctively I'm going, okay, middle, end. What's the end, Brian? You know. It is interesting, though, because if you were, when you talk about um, the different ways that you can tell those stories, you were, it was so confidently done in terms of a piece from here and a piece from back there and a piece from here, but you actually still got that great flow of the story, even though they were different characters experiencing different parts across that three weeks. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it sort of comes naturally to do it that way. You know, I, I couldn't actually plot it because I'd, I'd feel like I'm confined by going, oh, I've got to get there. And I think, you know, it's the same with the, the game I've been in for 50 years acting. You know, for me, 95% of it's instinct. When they say action, I haven't got a clue what's going to come out, but I hope something does, you know. Um, it's it's very instinctive. And that doesn't mean you don't prepare and all that. And the same with this. I had to research certain areas I wanted to touch on, certain, certain um, whether it be Indigenous uh, uh, situations, whether it be Medicine Sans Frontier, uh, whether it be crime and I needed cops to help me. So, you, you know, I had to do all the research. But instinctively, I, I let the story, you know, tell me, you know. 
And so they're all the things I was about to touch on with you. There's a, a really strong Indigenous thread in the book because the community is very much a part of what happens and what goes down. I loved the way you wrote about it. It was um, respectful, but also there was like a sense of awe and, and understanding. So tell me about how you did that research. Well, you know, I've, I've been pretty lucky in the in the in in my game for 50 years, and 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 in, and the Indigenous in in my game has been quite important in things that happened to me um in in reality um uh, when i when i did a movie called sweet country and we went to the to the um venice film festival and it was awarded and um that was uh, uh written and directed by uh, directed by warwick thornton and you know the and people applauded for five or six minutes and you know it was it was i sat i was very interested in the fact here they were applauding this this in this in, indigenous film and it took me back to the 50 years ago when i was as acting and I, I you know i couldn't get employed on things but the black theater in redfern in 1970 five or 76 were doing a play and um bob mazza asked me if i'd be in it and i had to play a vietnam vet who was uh who basically kicked the shit out of one of the the, the indigenous uh, actors uh who was a pretty tough bastard and you know like i had to be careful i didn't overstep the line with him he did something <laughs> but anyway um and from that and i thoroughly enjoyed that but it was a very powerful piece and I got asked to do my first movie because of being seen in that Indigenous play. So I felt like that was a real full circle, what had happened to me there. And during the course of, you know, uh, I did the chant of Jimmy Blacksmith. That was to do with that Indigenous there. I, I made a movie called Dead Heart. So Indigenous stories have been a, a part of me. And if you live up the coast, you know, you come across um, uh, you know, the Indigenous, different Indigenous organisations or, or, or people there. So you know, it, it has been woven into the a, a tapestry of life. So it's um, it's it it, it 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 was very natural to to have this thread through the story. And there is, and I guess that that links into the story. Also, has a lot of really strong social justice themes. Yeah, about you know, um, again, those indigenous issues, but but medical issues, trafficking issues. Like there are so many drugs. I mean, there's you've picked a lot of crimes, but they are all have quite strong social justice themes as well. It's that time of year. Our catalogue is out now for the mums and the other great women in your life. A book absolutely is the gift that keeps on giving. It gives that woman in your life, your mum, your grandma, your carer, time out. I reckon they've earned it. So take a look at the QBD Mother's Day catalogue out now. Yeah, well, I mean, there is a young fella that that, that comes from another country um uh and how he's made his life earlier on to um uh to get through university in this area that he lives overseas was to you know sell drugs to in the projects because you know no one else was helping him and a drug will help get him through the day so you know there's there's no judgment on him but there's a reality to it and and uh, you know if you're going to tell stories you know um uh, you, you've got to engage people, but at the same time, you must not, you, you, you know, you've got to allow reality to be in there where it can, and it strengthens the story. And there's no question if you just, if you, if, if you, if you just, um, if you, if you make up stuff that doesn't have a, a reality to it, people get it. People drop out of your story, you know. 
And you've got a real, um, even in terms of the officialdom, you know, you've got a police officer who is really a good dude, you know, like quite often these crime stories, you'll get the police are a bit, bit, you know, rough and ready. And you've got a fantastic young lawyer, a lawyer as well. And they just, they really add that kind of sense of purpose to it, don't they? Yeah, like I, I, the truth is, I like all the characters, you know, like, um, um, you know, when, when I, uh, look, you know, you grow up and you see things and you go, let's get it right there but for the grace of god yeah you know and you're a fool if you don't think that you could have gone down another track than the track you're on given circumstances so yeah. i like i liked i like to allow that to be a, a part of that reality to be a part of story that doesn't mean um you know saying that evil's okay or anything but like the journey that takes someone to there is far is as interesting as the full stop of where they come to in doing something that's evil. Uh, and I'm very interested and always have been in that journey. Um, uh, I look at my own life, you know, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to be brought up by a great woman in a single parent family and in public housing and did everything for me, you know, and, and, and that, and I watched that journey from there to, you know, deciding one day I'm going to England, sell me car, go to England, going to be an actor, you know, like, and who the hell would think? I, I sometimes say to myself, I'd like to meet that bloke now. How did he decide <laughs> to do that? Um, but, he you know, just wrote a book. Journey. He just wrote a book. <laughs> and, then he wrote, and then he writes a book. Don't think, I don't think that too. Um, but, um, you know, I am interested in our, the choices we make and the journeys we end up on, you know. Absolutely. And you do give us that. I mean, a lot of these characters are, you know, men in their 50s and, you do give us a snap of each of their early lives and particularly our, our bad guys. You you really explain to us, not that it makes it okay, but the pretty ordinary lives some of them had that led them to become what they are. Yeah. Look, I don't know, like is it we're looking we're looking for adventure in some way in our life? And if 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 there's none there, maybe we seek it in in the wrong way. Uh, you know, I don't want to get too too you know I don't want to be a psychologist here, um, but you haven't talked to me about the women. Well, I'm about to because I'm I'm deciding whether I'm starting on Conchita or Wanda or where I'm starting because, and when you just mentioned your upbringing. You could be Conchita. You could be Conchita. <laughs> I loved, you know what I loved? I was going to even raise, I loved the friendships. You know, you actually gave some really solid, There was there's a lot of uh, bit of raunchy romance going on, but you actually put some really beautiful, solid friendships in there that weren't just about the sex life. Yeah, like, you know, once again, you know, you come back to small towns and that and it's 50-50 men and women and they've all got a story. Um, and, you know, truthfully, I've, I've, I've been conditioned by women. I've been totally pushed around. I've been bashed and told exactly what to do all my life by, first of all, my mother and my sister and my wife and my daughters. So, you know, like women, you know, they're very, they're very strong Um they're very strong in my life, and uh, and uh, so uh, you know I, I enjoy exploring them. I was going to say, so equally you enjoy because you, you know the male characters you know well because you are one. But there was a sense of um, knowledge, as I would say, about those female characters. Yeah, I do enjoy. I do enjoy those women. I, I do enjoy. I do enjoy their attitude to the blokes. You know, I, I find I, I I do enjoy. I, I I like the women in the book. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you do, um, that's an amazing thing that you've done is there are all these fellas that have got their things going on, but these ladies are integral to what's happening, aren't they? Each of them from young Layla right through to Conchita and, and Nolene and, and to Wanda. Yeah, you know, and yes, there is, you know, it is, that coast is, 
is backpackers and and people that have left the cities and gone to live there regionally and people that have grown up there. It's a melting pot of pe- different people. Um, and you know, and, and the other thing that that's very interesting about about the, the, those towns, and I think it's what it is. Otherwise, we you know we'd all fall apart. But people in the majority are happy or mucking around with happy and sometimes you know it doesn't all work but like it's like oh i gotta get out get on with it you know like you don't go into a coffee shop and find 20 people with their heads down crying you know um you you will in certain places in the world right now with what's going on but what i'm saying is in the in the main people um uh, are, are optimistic you know, and get and 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 want to get on with it, and that's what that's what you know. That's what I see um, in these coastal towns is that people have come up there for a life, and so they're going to get in with whatever that life is. One thing you do so well is you, um, you know, it makes you read the way you write and your style and your language makes you kind of there's a sense of urgency. It makes you read quickly, but you also take us inside it. So there's a a party that's integral to the all the happenings throughout the book, but just everyone getting ready for that party and what it meant for them and how they felt. You really took us there? Yeah, no, well, parties are good fun. Um, But basically I go to a party and it's like, you know, um, uh, I'm I'm more interested in, in, you know, um, having a few drinks and laugh with friends and that. But in writing a party, I got the opportunity to explore all those characters in that town that come to the party. And it's also very important as to where the story goes uh, that party, yeah. Well, yeah, it took a lot of our characters in very different places and really set us up for a thrilling finish. Oh, we're not obviously going to give anything away, but the end was completely not what I expected, which is excellent. That would have been fun. Good, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know what the end was until, the, you know, the last couple of days when I wrote. How long did all this process take you, Brian? I think I wrote this over a period of about four months. Um, I started it sort of... About this time last year, the idea came to me, the first chapter came to me, and I put that down. And then, you know, every couple of days I might go in and explore it a bit more for a, for an hour and a half or something, and then a bit further. Um, and then, you know, as, as I started to get to maybe halfway and think, you know what, I think I've got a story here, but holy Toledo, what's the second half? Um, um, but and then I and then towards the end I went okay now I've got to really deliver this. What is the answer here? What am I? How am I going to bring them together? Um, and and then also probably over four months that I got to the stage of right. There's the story. Yeah, and I don't go back and I hardly change a thing once I put it down. Yeah, there's, you know my editing is minimal. You know it might be that I, I I change one word or something because I think I've got too many swear words in there or something. You know, but. But basically, I hardly change a thing. So, if we just, if we were to see the drowning on the screen, who are you? Who are you playing? I can only be one of the um, one of the um, one of the older fellows that's having a surf. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm in there. I'm not <laughs> sure I'm in there. Um, I think they're all a bit younger than me. All of them. <laughs> oh no. You can fix it. It's fine. They are a little bit younger, but no, that's absolutely right. fine. Maybe, maybe I wouldn't mind owning the coffee shop because that's where everything goes on. I was that was I was going to say Benny was the was the yeah. one for me because I just feel like you'd be the center of those conversations and and having those yarns. Um, you do give a, so your acknowledgements at the end of the book, and you do say to us that your your challenge is to get your family to read it. Have they read it? Um, Matilda's nearly finished it and said. Dad, it's really good. Um, my son's <laughs> over in England saying, when's someone going to send me a copy? 
Um, I took one up to my daughter, Rosie, who lives on the uh, on, on the border up there in Queensland the other day, so she's ready to start it. Rachel read it and said, very good, darling. Um, <laughs> uh, so they're all getting around to it. But, like, with, with, with a couple of them, like, uh, and particularly with Matilda, um, often I'll run things past her and say, listen, do you think there's anything in this or not? You know, sometimes with an idea I have for a film or something, because we're, in a way we're, we're creatively quite similar. And yeah. so um, sometimes I'll run some things past her, you know. And, of course, your, your good friend Sam Neill says, my friend Brian turns out to be an excellent writer. This is utterly baffling. I'm furious. So you've got great support there. <laughs> yeah, and he is furious. <laughs> so what is next, Mr. Brian Brown? What's happening after this fabulous one? What's next? Well, do you mean in terms of writing a book? Yeah. Well, I've been thinking about that for the last sort of month and going, I just don't have an idea. I don't have an idea. I don't have an I don't have a starting point. See, once I did that, the starting point was that boy riding through the forest. I don't have an idea. And then I'm driving down the coast on Monday. And I'm about 200 k's into the drive and I suddenly went, and I don't know if it was something I was listening to on the radio or what, but I suddenly went, oh, I've got a character. So I've got a character now and I like the character. He's someone quite like, woo. Um, so I think I can get started soon. Very good. I think where he takes me, this character where he takes you and of course I guess the next thing we'll see you on the screen will be when the Netflix uh, Boy Swallows Universe comes out that's the next time we'll see you on screen yeah Boy Swallows Universe no I think in actual fact in December I'm in this uh this movie uh, Anyone But You with Sydney Sweeney and Glenn Powell and uh, that which we shot here in Sydney uh, six months ago so I think that comes out in the middle of December that should be very funny Never a dull moment, Brian. Congratulations on the second one. We can't wait to see what comes next. And um, congratulations. And I'm so glad. It just sounds like you're enjoying it all so much. Well, you know, I'm a lucky boy. <laughs> Thank you. Good to talk to you. Thanks for your company on QBD Book Club, the podcast. Back soon with more author insights.